this week, I really felt the Lord was approaching um, on my heart to talk to you about how we need to be as a church and how we need to move forward. Now, obviously, every time I've come to preach so far, it's been a word of encouragement about servanthood in the church, etc. Um, but I really feel um, we had so on um, Friday, um, and we had a great time in the Lord. And in fact, from Thursday, the Lord is impressing me to really continue um, on the theme of forgiveness. Last week, Jake came and he taught about forgiveness and um, the reasons for forgiveness. And I feel that actually the Lord hadn't finished with us yet. Um, and one of the reasons why is because after service and through the week, I've, sp I've spoken to various people and, you know, they've, they've, they've kind of talked to me out of a place of, of kind of how do we forgive. Although we learn how to forgive and although we've been talking about how to forgive, very often as Christians, we leave it there. We don't often take it forward and actually action those aspects of forgiveness. Um, sometimes we don't know how to. Sometimes we'll think it will kind of work itself out. You know, kind of, yeah, I'm a Christian now, so I'm going to try and forgive. And then, as we talked about in Cell on, on Friday, those practicalities can sometimes be very difficult to practice in reality. How many of you kind of experienced that? Well, all of you guys are holy. None of you experienced that. That's all right. Okay, I'm going to sit down now and hand back to Charlotte. Now, the realities of forgiveness can be very, very difficult. Why don't we read? Jake um, started from um, P um, Matthew. Why don't we read Matthew chapter 18, verse 21 to 22. I know the guys on the desk, I've just given them all the um, scriptures. So it's going to be a bit jumpy, okay? So just bear with me. So Jake um, read Matthew 18, 21 to 22. He said this. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother when he sins against me? Up to seven times, Jesus answer, answered. I tell you, not seven times, but 70 77 times. The Bible asks us to continue to forgive. And sometimes that can become weary. It can become difficult. It can become challenging. You know, we get the concept of forgiveness. I mean, the mere fact that we're born again, the mere fact that we're Christians, denote we have an understanding of forgiveness. Is that right? Yeah? Are we sure? We're sure, yeah? So the essence of Jesus dying on the cross was about forgiveness. Yeah or no? Yeah. It's a massive part, but it's not the full part. You see, those people in the world who don't know Christ are forgiven. So are they any better off? Are we, better, are we any better off than them? Are we any better off than those in the world who don't believe in Jesus? Yeah? Are you sure? See, some of you are not sure. Absolutely. Of course we are. But the, the fact is that they're still forgiven. 
Forgiveness is for everybody. Christ didn't come to die for 144 or for 10 or for just you and me, Steve. He didn't just die for us. He died for the whole world. And everybody has the ability to be forgiven. But you see, just like opting to be forgiven, forgiving others for us is an option. We can choose to forgive or we, choose to, we can choose not to forgive. However, it impacts our salvation. How many of you believe that? Yeah. <clears throat> I explained in cell and we discussed and we talked. To be honest, it was just a really great discussion um, on Friday. And we talked about the essence of, of forgiveness being a gift. That everybody has received this gift. Everybody has this present in their house. It's like coming up to Christmas. It's coming up to Christmas soon. What is it, like 10 weeks or something like that? Ridiculous like that. Time has just flown. It's coming up to Christmas. It's like Santa Claus climbing down the, 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 the chimney and dropping a present. And every day, you look at that present. And you know it's for you. It has your name on it, but you don't offer, open it. When we accept Christ, what we do is we open that gift. We accept that gift and open it. And we open it with some conditions. There are some aspects to that gift which make it ours. It's ours. It's no one else's. Everybody has their own individual gift. But there are some aspects to it that we have to attain to. And one of the biggest is just simply opening it. Receiving forgiveness is a choice that we have to make. Forgiveness is not only about others, but also about our own spiritual growth. Love and forgiveness cannot be separated. If we choose to live out the love of God as the, as the purpose of our life, then forgiving is an option that cannot be avoided. Various aspects, and what I want to do is just go over some points that Jake talked about last week. One of the reasons that forgiveness is so powerful is that we were sinners, and one of the reasons why we should forgive is because we were sinners, all right? Matthew six fourteen to 15 says, For if you forgive men, when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Now Jake talked about how he found it difficult for many years to forgive his father for things that for him were important. It was his dad just being his dad in reality. But there was an aspect that he had to live in and, and part of his living caused him to start resenting aspects of his dad because his identity was kind of caught up in, in the Isaac name. And Jake talked about how learning to forgive his dad and learning to take all that bitterness and, 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 and um, challenge out of his life allowed him to grow in a way that he didn't expect. 
Ephesians 4, 31-32 says, Get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. How easy is it to continue forgiving? It's hard. It's not easy. This scripture we talked in, in cell, we, we referred to our colleagues at work. Now, I know, well, I know for myself, and I'm sure many of you, you know, there's that one colleague at work who just, you know, they're just all up in your face, or they're always kind of backstabbing you. And, you know, you're very justified in kind of being like, Lord, deal with them. Deal with them, Lord, or... You know what, sneakily when they send an email and you know they've got it wrong, you send an email, ah, actually, it's this, 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 and this. You know those, those ones, I know some people are smiling and nodding. But you know this scripture talks about how as Christians, those people, we have to continue to forgive. And if we don't continue to forgive them, it blocks aspects of our spiritual growth. It blocks aspects of who we are at work. You know, our identity in Christ has to be everything about us. It can't be just on a Sunday or on a Wednesday when you go to midweek service or once a month on a Friday and a Sunday when you go to half night. You know, you're going to pray for half the night, so you've got your spiritual cap on and it's, it's, all, it's all Jesus for those five hours. It has to be beyond that. It has to be more than that. And you know, sometimes, in fact, this scripture, it says it all. Get rid of bitterness. It doesn't start off as bitterness. You tend to do something really good with them and then they take the glory for it. That's all where it starts. You know, you do something together and then all of a sudden... Everybody, your manager saying, oh, well done, Shirley. You did a really great job there. And you're just standing there waiting for acknowledgement, waiting, doesn't come, walks off. And then Shirley kind of gets the, the, the next aspect. In my, in my situation, you know, I remember when I was on the Peds Ward at the Royal London. I'm not going to say the girl's name. I'm just going to call her Shirley. You know, I did all these things, I was running around, got the meds, did the infusion, did everything I needed, and then Shirley came and switched the tap. I was like, thanks Shirley for doing that. I went off, came back, one of the junior doctors came and said, oh wow, this is really good, oh this has been really well set up, the infusion's right, how many drops per There's an equation that you have to do, in my day we didn't have all the Baxters, they weren't really set up, when I say Baxters it's a machine that kind of feeds the drip. We used to have to do it ourselves and calculate and kind of work out where and how many drips used to go in. And this doctor was really impressed at how efficient and how well it was done. So when I came back and it was roared round, Shirley was getting bigged up for this thing. And I was, I was sat there, I was a bit miffed. I was a bit like, what, what's going on? And then the next day, the consultant came on the ward round and was like, Shirley, because you did such a great job yesterday, I'm going to take you into theatres. I said, what? <laughs> In my heart, I really wanted to say, but Shirley didn't do that. But you know, something inside of me was saying, don't worry. It's all good. Take your time. 
I didn't feel like taking my time. I wanted to say, look, the reality is Shirley just turned the tap. It wasn't about, it was me. Only black boy on the wards, only male on the wards. You know, in pediatrics, there's not many men, yet alone black men. And you know, I wanted, I wanted some of that glory, you know? All my life, you know, I've told you this story before, people in my life haven't really been encouraging. Olu's good, but, you know, Olu might do well, but he has to. So when I became a nurse, it became everything to me. So this one aspect of Shirley turning a tap meant a lot. So the, the enemy was able to just drip aspects of bitterness. So Shirley went to theater anyway, came back, was raving. Oh yeah, I got to hold the leg and I got to do this and I got to do that. Can you imagine? When you're a nurse, some of these things, you know, are exciting if you're a doctor, you know, seeing a leg cut open and how, yeah, for some of you it's not all that. But it was everything to me. And then over the months, Shirley used to get a lot of, isn't Shirley good? But I continued. And that's something inside of me just continued to tell me, be excellent in everything you do. However, sometimes I wasn't excellent in my anger and frustration. When Shirley used to ask me to do something, I might accidentally forget to do her obs. These are serious things, you know, taking someone's temperature, doing those things, you know. Sometimes when she used to ask me to do something, I think, look at her getting haughty. I've been here longer than you. What, what do you mean? You know, just forget to do certain aspects. But the Bible says, look, get rid of bitterness, rage, anger, brawling and slander. Slander is the biggest one. It's the biggest one. You know, when you're chatting to your friend at work, because Shirley's no more my friend, I'll be chatting to Susan. Ah, oh, Susan, look at Shirley. Look at how she's going on. Just because she was able to think, go to theatres, she's going on like she knows everything about theatres. She doesn't even know the formula for medication, you know. All those little tit-to-tats and, you know, Susie's there. Yeah, I know. It's liberties, isn't it? It's liberties. Meanwhile, Susie knows you're a Christian and you go to church. Little by little. Although it doesn't seem big, it's tarnishing your character. It's tarnishing who you are. It's tarnishing the very essence of Christ in you. That's what bitterness does. Just like that drip was dripping, dripping. Bitterness was dripping, dripping into my life. Get rid of bitterness, rage, anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as Christ, God, forgave you. The question is, did I forgive Shirley? Uh, you all shaking your head, did I? No, Shirley left the ward. <laughs> Shirley left. I didn't really get a chance. But you know what? <laughs> it's not one of those Disney happy ever afters, is it? But you know what? In understanding forgiveness, and you know, I forgot, I forgot about Shirley. That's the reality. I forgot about Shirley. But you know, in all reality, what happens is Shirley sits in your life. If you don't deal with bitterness, rage, and anger, Shirley sits there until another Shirley comes along. 
and does the same thing. And what happens time and time again is those aspects grow and grow until you're overtaken. I now work with young people um, in the Youth Offending Service as well as young people with mental health. And when I speak to the majority of them who attend pupil referral units or normal schools and ask them, what's, what's your issue? Why, why is everybody referring to me? Half, the, half of them say, it's out of anger. I'm angry because of this, or they're displaying anger. Some of them are smoking. Some of them are taking legal highs, doing all sorts of aspects. Why? Because they're trying to deal with the bitterness and anger they feel towards their family, towards society, towards the police, towards schools or education. You know, sometimes bitterness, anger, frustration, these things are not often human beings like you and I. Sometimes they can be the system or society. And as equal as an individual, they can eat away at us. Some of them drinking because they're angry at life, angry at, at society and what it does, angry because of a situation that happened, which often is legitimate. It's not, sometimes it's not because they're just making it up and they're just being used or young. Sometimes it comes out of legitimate aspects and legitimate reasons. But because we're unable, we don't know how to deal with it, it stores and it builds. And it causes darkness and hatred and bitterness to, to reign over our lives instead of the light that is Christ who came and died and gave us the gift of forgiveness, the gift of life, the gift and the ability to live life in the full. There is no doubt in my mind that love, as the scripture says, conquers all. 1 Corinthians 13, 4 to 16 says this, love is patient, love is kind. It does not envy, it does not boast. It is not proud, it does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. This scripture is a scripture that is read for so many different occasions. For marriages, we read it. When we want to talk about love, we read it. But there's so many truths and practical elements to life in that scripture that if we look at it and break it down it gives us the solution to that aspect of forgiveness if we're slow to judge and are patient to understand or realize why people do things it allows us not to be bitter or hold on to bitterness it gives us a chance and gives others a chance to think through the situation. Just on Friday, where's Susan? Is Susan there? She's, oh, there she is. I was talking to Susan about one of her colleagues 
at work. He sent me an email. Susan and I, we don't work for the same company, but our companies work together. And you know, I thank God that I know who I am. Even though I was asking Susan, who's this woman sending me emails like this? You know, it was starting to creep in. But you know, just through my experience and understanding, the email she sent, if I, had, if, I, if I was in my former days, or if I was unwise, should I say wisdom, innit? Wisdom, wisdom. It's about wisdom, really. If I was unwise, I would have fired an email back. And it, it can be just as quick and as simple. Because very often, when you see something, a text, an email, when you read it quickly, you take it out of context. Love is patient. It takes its time. I read the email a couple of times before answering, took a deep breath, asked for wisdom, and replied. Got another email back, took another deep breath. Yeah, you can imagine. In order for us to maintain and hold on to our salvation, we have to prioritize forgiveness. It has to be one of the main aspects. You know, once you've got that gift, it's yours. But you see, you have to maintain it. You have to look after it. You have to build it. Forgiveness is one of those things. It's like a cloth or it's like a polish. As you do it more and more, you're polishing aspects of your salvation or your spirit. Remember at the beginning I said, that forgiveness is not really about the other person. It's about our spiritual growth. And how do, we, how do we nurture our spirits? When we're talking about forgiveness, we have to continue to talk about prioritizing forgiving others. Matthew 5, 23 to 24 says, Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to your brother, then come and offer your gift. How easy is it to do that? When we take communion on a Sunday, well, I don't think Pastor Joseph has done it for a little while actually, he would say, if there's something that you have against your brother in this room, have a few minutes, go and speak to them and then come and take communion. That's what that scripture is talking about. Sometimes we have the ability and the option to fix it in an instant by forgiving or speaking to our brother or sister about a situation. And the Bible says we have to do that before we come to the altar and proceed to the Father. Because what does it do? It blocks access. It blocks our ability to grow. It blocks our ability to be in the presence of God. If we harbor unforgiveness and bitterness, we're unable to access the Father. Luke chapter 6, I really do like this scripture. It talks about judging others. Sometimes we put judging and forgiveness in separate boxes. You know, they're the same. 
when you judge others, it means you're holding them to account for something, whether it's justified or not. I'm going to read from verse 37. Do not judge and you will not be judged. You could read it like this. If you don't forgive, you will not be forgiven. Can you imagine? Do not condemn and you will not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. Give and it will be given to you a good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over. Will, pour, will be poured into your lap. For with the, with the measure you use it, it will be measured to you. Very often we use that scripture for money. You know, the prosperity, prosperity guys use that a lot, isn't it? Give your offering. If you give 10,000, it will be pressed down, shaken together and given back to you, running over. This scripture is about forgiveness. It's not about money. It's about how willing are you to continue forgiving. It's about, the principle really is about sowing and reaping. They just take it out of the, well, anyway, let me not go there. Listen, forgiveness is such a key aspect to our salvation that at, like it says at the beginning of that scripture, if we don't take it in its context, as part of our everyday, we are excluded from the kingdom of God. We are excluded from blessings. We are excluded from health and wealth. It's powerful. I'm going to come to an end and I just want to I just want to highlight one other thing. Jesus obviously was our greatest example when it came to forgiveness, dying on the cross when he didn't have to, but he did. But I want to look at Stephen. Stephen was a man who really loved God and understood the essence of forgiveness. Let me just find the scripture. Acts chapter 7, verse 59 to 60. While they were stoning him, Stephen prayed. Not while they were waiting to stone him. While they were throwing rocks. And when I say rocks, some of these rocks were probably as big as this speaker. As they were stoning him, Stephen prayed. Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he fell on his knees and cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. When he had said this, he fell asleep. I was reminded of this scripture from reading some of the aspects of um, some of the martyrs in Syria this week, of missionaries and Syrians who have converted from Islam to Christianity who have been crucified and stoned and beheaded this week or in the last couple of weeks. 
and reading stories of eyewitness accounts of them saying, Lord, receive my spirit. I was like, where have I heard that? Is that just, and it took me to that scripture as I was preparing for um, our cell on Friday. How many of us could say in the midst of someone stoning or cutting our heads off that Christ should forgive the people doing that to us? Even me standing here saying it and thinking it, it makes me gulp and gives me goosebumps. For me, that's forgiveness at a really high level. It's emulating Christ. As they crucified him, as we crucified him, he spoke those words also. Now, Stephen, I don't know if the Holy Spirit was just flowing through him at that time or if he was just a wise man or he just got it, but he, he understood. In that moment, as he was dying, his last words were, forgive these people who are sinning not against me but against you they were trying to extinguish the light and the essence of forgiveness through this man because all he was doing was preaching and teaching forgiveness of Christ you know I said we talked about just little aspects where we, for, we give up in the midst of, of pain and, 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 and challenge. You remember that Greek lady who wore the cross to work and got sent home? How many of us would have taken that cross off and just gone to work the next day because we need to pay our mortgage? Are we willing to step out in faith Step out, step out as part of sacrifice for the kingdom. Moving on, because I want us to spend some time practically around this aspect of forgiveness. So these are the points that I have, and I'm going to speak through them, and then we're going to spend a little bit of time in worship and, and praying around forgiveness. Like I said, the Holy Spirit is your key to forgiveness. Without him, it is impossible to succeed in forgiving. One of the essence of salvation is that when we ask God for forgiveness and when we, um, um, when we confess our sins, he gives us the Holy Spirit. He's not there just for kind of dexterity. He's there for purpose to help us on our journey. So we have to rely on the Holy Spirit to succeed in every aspect of our lives. And when it comes to forgiveness especially, we need to rely on him because as I said at the beginning, it's really hard to forgive and to continue forgiving. The quicker you forgive, the easy or the easier it will become. Don't allow unforgiveness or bitterness to destroy you or disqualify you from the kingdom. Forgiveness ultimately is a key to continued 
spiritual growth. Forgiveness is an act of faith. How does that work? Sometimes when you don't get the opportunity to forgive the person because they're not with you, sometimes we have to forgive in our heart and trust and believe that we've forgiven and ask God to continue to help us so that next time when we see that person, we're able to ask them or speak to them about it. And if we're not able to do that, that our emotions don't get out of control, that we continue to sin in that aspect, but actually we continue to forgive. It's a walk of faith because every time, sometimes we, we got stuck on this a bit in cell, sometimes you'll see that person and you think you've forgiven, but it won't. a little thing will just prick up in your spirit or... You know, I think Ayo said something about, you know, you think you've forgiven them and, and, and you're going on and then you hear something good about them that something nice has happened. And in your mind, you're like, oh, is it whatever, whatever. But as we ask the Holy Spirit and God to, to help us and as we continue to step in faith, that whatever becomes less and less. On occasions, as I said before, we need to forgive circumstances, systems, organizations. You know, I know a few of us, every minute we're getting stopped by the police. The police is a big one. You're driving your nice ride. Well, sometimes it's not that nice. But because you're a young man, sometimes a young woman, you're getting stopped every, every so often. And your hatred for the police grows and grows. And then the media feed into that. And then your friends feed into that. And you know what? What happens? You become unable to manage life. Things in life get hard. You find yourself getting into trouble with the police when you wouldn't usually. And it's not because you're a bad person. It's just because of the situation and your inability to try and see beyond the aspect of what the police are doing. I'm not saying that they're right. I'm not saying that they're wrong. What I'm saying is forgiveness is the key to your salvation. And it's the key for you to continue to live in health, wealth, and in the fullness of life that God wants you to live. It might be a hospital they didn't treat your mum right or they didn't treat a relative right and they died. And you find it hard in your heart to forgive the nurses or the doctors and it caused you to be bitter. And that bitterness leads to depression. You're unable to get over the death of that relative. Real situations. But you see the enemy uses those little aspects to cause you to remain out of the will of God. Listen, forgiveness is not easy, but it's possible. Sometimes we need to even forgive ourselves. One of the biggest blocks to salvation is the fact that we can't get over forgiving ourselves. We can't get over the fact that we've been so bad in the past that God can't possibly forgive me. I'm such a sinner. Listen, 
God came and died for every single human being on this earth, past, present, and future. What does the Bible say? The word of God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And what does that word preach? What does that word say? What does it speak? Forgiveness and love. Get over it. Forgive yourself. Move on in Christ and release yourself from the bondage that the devil is trying to have over you. And finally, sometimes we may even need to forgive God. Sometimes we believe that because of God, this situation is happening in my life. Because of God, he hasn't dealt me the right cards. Other people have the right cards. They get dealt aces and kings and queens, and I've got ones and twos. Listen, just like before, God only wants love and to be reconnected with you. He doesn't want any more or any less. He just wants you to connect with him. What I want us to do, I want us to stand. I want the worship team to come back. We're gonna, we're gonna do two things, okay? We're gonna do two things. Now, the first thing we're gonna do is a little bit, it might be a little bit challenging, but I really believe, when, when God dropped this on my heart, I said, Lord, really? Really, you really want me to do this? I tried to shake it off and it came back and it kept coming back. And I want us to do this. I want us to get into groups of threes. Okay, I want us to get into groups of threes. The Bible says that we should confess our sins one to another. How many of you guys here are Bible-believing Christians? Some people might start moving next to their friend. No, I'm joking, I'm joking, I'm joking. Todd knows what I'm gonna do. I'm joking, I'm joking. How many of you guys are Bible-believing Christians in this place? That should be everybody's hand. This is a Bible-believing church. We believe in the Word. We believe the Word is life. And we believe that we should follow the Word in order to, to, to see our lives fulfilled in God's will for our lives.